This is Seeds for Success, a show where we have a good yarn about ag life with producers who are having a go. On the show, you'll hear from farmers in New South Wales who are out there battling the elements, making tough calls and getting the job done. You'll get a laugh out of some of their stories and also pick up some know-how along the way. I'm your host, Narrily Brennan. Today, we're having a chat with Tim Bowman. Tim, along with his family, run a mixed farming operation on their property Gundy, near Turoena. In this episode, Tim talks to us about his shorthorn cattle enterprise and how he approaches the important decision of selecting bulls. Tim explains what he looks for in a great bull with the aim of achieving high growth rates to quickly turn off steers into the feedlot market, but without having negative impacts on birth weight. You'll also hear how he's incorporating AI or artificial insemination into their breeding program to speed up the genetic process and have heifers that carve over a nice tight window. Local Land Services District Vet Jill Kelly caught up with Tim in the backyards after the bull sale. And as you'll hear, Jill learned that there's a bit more to it than just turning up on sale day with your bitter card in hand. So the reason I chose to speak to today's podcast guest is that as well as being a vet, I'm a wannabe part-time cattle farmer. And when the drought broke at great expense, I went and bought a few shorthorn cows and they're calving at the moment. And I thought, well, time to buy a bull to put back with them. So I got a sale catalogue and then got completely overwhelmed by everything in that sale catalogue. Lots of numbers. All of the bulls looked amazing. They were all well prepared and shiny and they all had that nice little twinkle in their eye. I thought every single one of them would be good. And I thought, well, I really want to talk to a commercial producer who knows how to go to a sale, make sense of the catalogue and buy a decent bull. Because if I don't get some serious advice, my best strategy is to turn up and just buy one that fits in my price range. And I'm pretty sure you can do it better than that. So today I'm talking to Tim Bowman and I'll let Tim tell you a bit about his farm and his commercial cattle enterprise. Hi Jill. We currently run 225 shorthorn cows, breeding for mainly the feedlot market for the steers. We also run 1,500 to 2,000 merino ewes and crop about 500 hectares as well. And you're over near Tirawena? Yes, based on 5Ks Coonabarabra inside of Turawena and we have a place 15Ks north of Turawena as well. That's a nice part of the world. And have you always been shorthorn people? Yes, Dad's always had shorthorns for his whole life and I'm pretty sure his father had shorthorns as well. So a fair history in shorthorn breeding, I think. Yeah, so while I guess we are talking shorthorns today and we are at a shorthorn sale today, the information we're going to probably talk about is relevant to any breed and potentially any different type of cattle. So we're not really recommending one over the other. It's just a general chat that hopefully other commercial producers can pick something up from. When you come to a bull sale, how do you go about it? Where do you start? Not exactly an easy question. As you said, looking at a catalogue can often be daunting. I guess you probably need to start probably within your own herd to what you have and what you're trying to get out of your herd. So tell me about that in your herd. So given that we're aiming for a feedlot market for steers, trying to get them to 500 kilos at about the 12-month-old range, we're looking for bulls that 
produce some growth, but we're very wary of producing large amounts of growth because that leads back to birth weight problems in heifers and things like that. So we're looking at lower birth weight bulls, which still have a good growth curve and in the end produce good cows as well. Because if you have a, produce a good heifer and cow, that will generally produce you a good steer as well. How did you go about affiliating yourself with a stud or do you go to lots of sales? Do you buy from lots of different studs or do you mainly channel on one? We only buy Futurity, have done for the last 12 years since they had their, started their on-property sale. Previous to that, we did buy out of the Dubbo sale and have been at Yamburg and before that. Before we went to Futurity, we were breeding a bit of our own blood as well think it's just easier going to a stud. We prefer to probably stay at the one stud. Well, as long as you like that stud and they're producing the cattle that you want. I find that if you start switching around, you probably lead to a more of a mix of cattle where we would like to have a nice line of cattle that all look the same. Has your relationship with that particular stud occurred over time and do you have a good dialogue with that stud throughout the year or do you just turn up at their sale and and buy some bulls? No, I certainly have a good dialogue and our relationship has built over that 12-year period. Jason comes out and classes our heifers as 12 months old before they get joined. So he gets to come back and have a look at our cattle and see how his bulls are performing in our herd as well. And then generally we are talking to him every probably through the drought a lot more often because he has contacts and things like that within the cattle industry that we don't have, trying to get some knowledge from him. And then leading up to the bull sale, we are probably out here two to three times looking at bulls or looking at cows beforehand. The day that the sale catalogue comes out and you receive that, what's the first thing that you do? How do you approach it? We probably go through breeding first. Given that we've been with Futurity for 12 years, we are getting to know his lines of bulls and where they're coming from. So we want to be a bit careful of not buying the same line each time. Therefore, that sort of cuts out a fair few bulls before we even start looking at them. Doesn't cut them out fully, especially this year where we've had more breeding out of certain bulls and others, we were chasing one or two lines that we really wanted to get over anything else. Starting with breeding, we'd probably start there and then move to EPDs or EPVs, depending on which breed you are. So they're the figures that are displayed in the in the sale catalogue. And Which ones are you looking at particular for what you want to achieve in your herd? So birth weight's probably one of the main factors. So you want a low birth weight so they have easy calving ease? Yes, don't want to have any problems with calving. We generally don't have much problem with calving cows. We pulled one this year. Before that, I can't think of any time we pulled them, um, which could be the season over anything else. Heifers, we do pull a few, but that's the reason for trying to get a low birth weight is so we're not pulling, pulling a minimal amount. Second to that, a little bit of growth, probably average growth or above. And then the other main one, probably above growth, is carcass characteristics such as eye muscle area, intramuscular fat and fat coverage. They're probably the three main ones we chase because we really want to chase a 
high eating quality beast. So when it goes to the feedlot, the feedlot can then, given their shorthorns, they go through the 1,000 guineas program. And if they make the mark, they're making a premium over a lot of other brands because of their high eating quality and can go into high-end restaurants and things like that to make a premium. So if if JBS are making a premium on their meats, that can generally lead back to us making a premium on our beef as well. So, And how does that informational feedback flow back from the feedlot and the consumer at the other end? How does that come back to you? From the consumer, it's probably minimal. What we've seen is probably minimal. We have just had... Through Jason's progeny testing, we have had information come back on carcass data from the steers that we sent 12 months ago. So that has given us information on fat coverages, eye muscle areas and that sort of thing. So that's actually given us a bit of information on what we probably should be chasing in a bull as well. So that's probably helped us in deciding on which bulls we want. I like simple things. So I heard it really accurately and simply described the other day that the easiest way to get from point A to point B is in a straight line. But when you're trying to do that in your cattle herd, the hardest thing is describing where point A and point B are. So basically where you are and where you want to go, which will therefore influence your bull buying decisions. So can you just sum up, I know we've talked about it, but can you sum up where point A is and where point B is for you guys? Well, I'll probably go back 10 years and say point A was a very old style cow. Had a lot of fat over the back end of her, not great growth rates, which led to steers being sold at 18 months instead of the 12 months. So over the last 10 years, we've been buying higher growth bulls to try and pick that up, which has led to steers being ready in a year like this in 12 months or less. So they're over 500 kilos at 12 months old, some of them are. And then... Point B is probably a higher growth animal, but then still holds the fat and intramuscular fat characteristics that we probably previously hadn't known where we stand at. Cameo from a bull. Point A and point B is probably a very hard thing for a cattle producer to to actually determine fully. Um, You can have a beautiful looking cow, but... If she doesn't produce you a calf and that calf doesn't, can't get to a sale period, that's not where you want to be. Yeah, so you must be measuring stuff on farm to determine that though. So you must be, say, preg testing and, you know, checking that she is producing you a calf every year. So joining for a set period, preg testing, and then measuring weights in your weaners and, and at sale point. Yes, so currently we AI the heifers at 15 months of age and then join them to back up bulls for a six-week period, but we then scan on a on the only on the three-week period, give them two cycles, and if they don't make that, unless we have a big problem like something goes wrong, we cull anything further than that. Cows, they are joined over a 12-week period, but scanned on the six-week period. Basically, have a six-week joining, and anything that is dry or doesn't produce a calf, so that the calf dies at some point is then culled as well. So fertility is a big culling factor on our farm because if a cow doesn't produce your calf, you're not making any money money out of it. No, nope, they don't grow wool. No, so wool, at least you can get a little bit out of that. But fertility is certainly a big profitability factor. So you've 
come to the sale, you've you've looked at your catalogue, you've you've looked at your EBVs or, or your EPDs, and you've got a fair idea of the ones you might like to look at. How important is structure and confirmation and health and and visually? inspecting the bulls to you guys? Certainly very important. If a bull can't walk around smoothly, he's more likely to break down and not even be able to cover your cows. So certainly that's a big factor that we're looking for. We do have a few issues in some of our soft ground that the cows end up with long feet. So that's certainly one, a structural point that we certainly look for in a bull so we don't end up with issues like that. You can look at figures all day and they'll tell you one thing, but you then have to go and look at the bull to be able to, to get a full picture on that bull and what he's going to be able to produce. You know where your herd's sitting, you know what you're chasing, you've looked at your figures, at least when you come you're not overwhelmed by 50 shiny bulls on the day. Yeah, that's right. If you can cull your numbers back down to 30 or 25 at least, you can then spend double the amount of time on those 25 bulls to look at them and to go over them. Whereas if you're going around 50 and only have an hour to do it, one minute per bull isn't isn't a lot of time to to then go and pick them out and determine structurally or determine docility and even things like that whether whether they are suitable for your herd as well. And I noticed uh, today they sold some yearling bulls as well as some um, two-year-old bulls. Do you use both? Do you have any preference or yeah? What do you think of that? We have bought yearling bulls previously. Not often. We'd prefer two-year-old bulls. Probably just find. A bull at 12 months or 15, 15 months can still change between then and a two-year-old bull. So we have discussed with Jason that looking at them at 12 months, he can often see large differences in which bulls are the top at 12 or 24 months. And so how did you go today? You've been at the sale. Did you manage to pick up any bulls? Yes, picked up two. So we picked up first one to AI our heifers with he will then go over cows as well so we sort of get a double double whammy with him and then the second bull was a pure heifer bull to, to use as a backup over the AIs so any that don't get in calf to AI will then go out with him. And were they your top picks were they the ones you really wanted? AI heifer bull yes he was the one we were chasing and the backup one we had a bit of a list that any one of the half a dozen we had, we were probably happy with that at the right price. And I noticed you come with your brother and your dad, so it's a bit of a family thing. Is there a bit of nudging or, or do they try to sit on your hands sometimes? No, they're, they're both pretty good. Will was bidding today, so he's happy to bid. Well, we're both happy to bid, but we're both sitting next to each other and discussing it as we go through, so makes it easier. But determining a budget's pretty hard. We have a rough figure of what we want to spend for the day and what for the two bulls that we bought, which we were right on the money today. But year on year, it gets hard. The sale can change pretty quickly. The bull that we bought was second up, which makes it a bit difficult to know where the sale is going. So you sort of um, have to make a bit of a judgment call to whether you're happy to take him or whether you're happy to leave him at that price to then hope that you get one lower down in the sale for a better price. That, that doesn't really give you an answer to how to do it, but... No, but that's like a lot of things in agriculture. It's a gut feel judgment thing that yeah, happens on the right. day. That I've asked a lot of questions over the podcast interviews that I've done and yeah, sometimes <laughs> you can't answer the question because 
agriculture is an art, not a science in a yeah. lot of regards. Yeah, that's right. Like we were chasing number one and number two bull and preferably number two. But if one number one came up the right price, we were happy to take him home. That's where it gets hard, in a, especially in an auction sense. If you do a Helmsland auction or if you look at auctions plus when everything's coming up at the same time, it makes it a lot easier than you can you can chase your, your first pick and then move back to your second if your budget then blows out where it goes through the order makes it a lot harder yeah it does so i guess you come to a sale and you spend what seems like you know quite a considerable sum of money on bulls but i guess the other way of looking at what you've just described is that you're turning your steers off at 500 kilos at 12 months of age you know, that's the benefit of that investment. Um, that must um, have really changed profitability of your cattle enterprise over the years. Yeah, I believe so. If you can turn off these steers six months earlier, there's six months feed that you've got for something else. In a environment that's changing, as we've seen in the last three years where there's been drought, you still need to be able to produce those steers in a bad time. The steers that were just sold, we fed from birth to I think we let them out in March, so they were nine months old, um, and then they went on to oats and still made that 500 kilo. The tops of them still made that 500 kilo mark. So if you can produce a steer like that in a year like we've had, we're pretty happy to be able to do that. So last year, we sold them as 350 kilos to 400 just because the cost of feeding was it so was high. Tough. So to be adaptable to the environment and where the market is going at that time. If the kill market was a lot higher at the moment, we'd be happy to keep these steers through to 600, 650 kilos. If, but we're just finding the feedlot price is probably the premium at the moment, so we're happy to take that now. Yeah, you've positioned yourselves really well to be able to be flexible to wherever the, the right money is. Yeah, you've all, yeah, I think with obviously with um, farming you need to be flexible in what you do and keep making decisions and even if prices change, um, you make a decision on one day, that's you have to make it. You can do a lot of things in hindsight, but if you're always looking backwards, you can never go forward really. So. That's right. I was taught that there's three kinds of decisions, good decisions, bad decisions and no decision and no decision is by far the most dangerous. Yeah, that's right. You've got, you've got to decide. Well, I'm also interested that you guys as a commercial herd are doing a bit of AI. Has that been something you've done for many years or is it new? No, we've been doing it the last three years. We changed our herd structure about three years ago. I went from a two joinings a year back to one. So therefore, we ended up with 150 heifers to join in one year. The way that we could get over that was rather than buying a heap of new heifer bulls was to then go on AI, all these heifers. We probably said at that time we were happy to do it for a three-year period. Give it a real go rather than one year. You don't really have an idea of whether it's going to work or not. Down the track three years, we're still happy to do it. Only in the heifers? Only in the heifers at this stage. Um, we are thinking about cows. But cows get a bit more complicated when you have young calves on them as well. Just creates a little bit more work. When we're AIing 100 heifers already, to then go on another AI another 50 to 100 cows, we're looking at it. But at this stage, we're happy just to do the heifers. And how do you go about organising AI? Uh, where do you get your semen? Who comes and does it? Who creates your program for synchronising those animals and all that sort of stuff? How does it work? So the first year we did it, we used Gary Wilkinson. 
he created the program, basically gave us a day-to-day or hour-by-hour, basically, because you have to be pretty accurate with these things, um, of what we needed to do when. So he did it first year. So you did all of the injecting and the watching and the whatever else, and he came and did the AI? Yes, correct. That's right. And then the last two years, I have a brother that's also a vet, um, so he's done the AIing while we've done the injections again. Semen has come from futurity, either the bulls that we've bought that we've AI'd with or if we missed out on a heifer bull and wanted a bull a little bit better or a bull a little bit different, we have used a couple of other bulls from Jason that he suggested. So basically you just call him and he, a semen tanker, right? Like he gives you a semen tank that's got all the straws in it that you need. Yep, that's right. That sounds simple. Sort of. Yeah, I learned at a field day the other day that most of the AI technicians and vets that are doing this sort of stuff, most of it's on commercial herds and I was amazed by that. So it's really becoming more and more popular in a commercial setting. There are a lot of benefits with it. Not only you try and get the best breeding, so if you can't afford that really expensive bull, you can then go and buy semen for $25 a straw. If you then get 60 or 70% rate out of those heifers then you're getting a reasonable return on those on those straws but there are also other benefits such as such a condensed calving period so our heifers the ai ones are generally carve over a two to three week period large majority of, of them would be over a three or four day period so um, at some stage we had eight or ten calves hitting the ground at the same day which makes checking heifers and checking cows a lot easier when you don't have to do it for a long period of time. You're only doing it every year. Makes it easy to get around. Yeah, sounds like bliss. <laughs> Not always. But anyway. <laughs> How do you look after your bulls each year in terms of vaccinations, say for vibriosis? And do you semen test pre-joining? How do you look after the bulls once you've invested in them and taken them home? So say these two bulls will go home. They'll be in the yards overnight. We were just talking to Jason just then and he said put them both together but give them a couple of yards so they can separate if they want. They'll sit at home in the yards with a bit of hay and a bit of water to keep them happy overnight. They'll then go out to a small paddock with an electric fence so they can't go walk about. But getting round to, say, joining next year, we will semen test and John will go over them basically head to toe and give them a Vibrio and a 7-in-1 at that time. Fantastic. That sounds like a really good way to look after your bulls, I reckon. Yeah, when you're paying a fair bit of money for them these days, you you don't want them something happening to them or when they go out to cows, if they're not working properly, um, it then costs you a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. That pre-breeding risk assessment, which an Australian cattle veterinarian can do for you, such a good little guarantee pre-breeding to make sure that everything's right. And I, I would not miss a vibriosis vaccination pre-breeding. I know of some people who don't like giving them because they leave a bit of a lump sometimes on the side of the bull's neck, but I reckon they should wear it like a badge of honour that they've been vaccinated for Vibrio and that they're healthy. I don't think we've ever had Vibrio, but for the cost of the vaccination or the cost of getting the bull in, it's pretty cheap compared to that bull not working or... I'm not even sure what Vibrio does. (laughs) Yeah, well, Vibrio is probably the most common reproductive disease that I see. It causes infertility. So you join and you're expectant that you're going to get lots of particularly heifers in calf and it it just wipes them out. The results are devastating. If you get Vibrio on your herd, it can really knock your preg testing rates around. 
and set your way back. So, yeah, very simple, cheap vaccination for your bulls is all you need. Yeah, that's right. Good investment. Yep. Well, thanks very much, Tim. It's been really nice to hear about your commercial herd and how you manage it. And it's been really good to spend the day surrounded by like-minded people at a sale who all uh, want to achieve great things with their cattle herds. And I think we've certainly come into a time where there's plenty of feed and really great cattle prices to support that aim. So thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me, Jill. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Central West Local Land Services. Local Land Services delivers advice and support to farmers, landholders and the community across New South Wales. To learn more, you can find us online by searching for Central West Local Land Services. If you'd like more information about the topics we discussed today, as well as links to relevant articles, fact sheets, events and other helpful resources, we've added those into the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. Hey, and while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other farmers find the show. I'm your host, Narrowly Brennan, and I'll chat to you next time.